Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. Here we are. Welcome to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, episode seven. Siete! <laughs> Seventh heaven, they call this episode. Thank you for joining us today. Fred here with Quad City Safety. I'm here with my buddy Dave. Hey, now. We're here to talk about the topic of the day. It's a very special episode hearing protection. We've got the hearing protection episode. Makes me think of my. Uh, you know why hearing is so important? Uh, I'm trying to think of something real overly dramatic that would be on a greeting card. But coming up, <coughs> no, coming up, nothing. As uh, my grandmother, God bless her soul. Well, she's still alive. And, God bless her soul, though. Yeah, you know, she's 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 a very sweet lady, and she's got uh, the Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer has actually been directly linked to hearing loss because when you have hearing loss. You kind of uh, you come out of your your natural cells and your the way your brain function is a little bit different. So I'd like to believe that if today we change somebody's life and get them paying attention to hearing conservation and hearing, that maybe they won't be that person in their nineties that has a run-on sentence that repeats, yeah. and you love them to death, and it's just painful for everybody. So just remember that. There is uh, a lot going on here. I was going to stop all over that before you got pretty sentimental there with my little John impression where you said you haven't seen it, but there's a Chappelle, Chappelle show skit. Were you yep. familiar with the Chappelle show when it was on? Yep. It was running hard. So he's, he's, he just came out with a new Netflix special. Yeah, it's pretty two episodes. Two pretty good, pretty two good stuff, man. Yeah, it's quality. But, uh, you got to appreciate a, a, a black guy that keeps it real and lives in like a white neighborhood in Pennsylvania or whatever. Yeah. So, anyways, um, he uh, did a little John skit, and basically, little John was a rapper. He's the one from the windows to the walls to the sweat drips down my balls. No, not ringing no, a bell. No. Oh boy, I really was looking for more feedback there. But anyways, he he goes what. What? What? Anyways, there you go ahead. Never mind. We'll cut that. So, Dave, do you want to tell your story for the day? My story for the day. Well, you know, again, it goes back to kind of, kind of growing up and being in Tennessee, North Tennessee, from from Kentucky, obviously, as I talked about. It all centers around things that uh, there's a lot of bad decisions, and then I'll go into other things that happened, but that was always centered around the fact that uh, hearing conservation wasn't really paid very closely attention to any of these stories, and they were centered around the fact that uh, my grandfather fought in World War II, and he had some rifles that we loved to shoot, and they were 8-millimeter Mausers, pistols, 9-millimeter Lugers. Um, he had a, uh, old double barrel shotgun that was nothing better than to load up both barrels of that and let them go at the same time. A lot of kick. 
And, you know, I can remember shooting groundhogs and shooting clay pigeons and just shooting stupid stuff just for the fun of it. And, you know, the funny but not funny part of it is looking back is we did all this stuff and I didn't even, I don't even think we tried to even wad up like a piece of tissue paper and put it, our, put it in our ear. So usually you would, you know, you would shoot, you would shoot the guns or, you know, even when we would uh, head to concerts and we would hit, you know, the youth group would go to Striper and, you know, that was kind of like the, the heavy metal uh, rock band back there in kind of the 80s or we would go see the Kentucky Headhunters and Charlie Daniels at the Kentucky State Fair and you would always walk back and whether it was a rifle, a shotgun, striper or the Kentucky Headhunters and you would just have this impeding ring yeah. in your ear and the thing was is it was the greatest thing ever but I'm yelling because right. I can't really hear what you're saying right now. I see your lips moving, but I have this ring. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Yeah. I, I know I had some of that just uh, living in Iowa City for a time. You'd come out of a bar that was noisy enough, and your ears would be ringing from the house music that's playing. You're dancing on the... What were you doing in Iowa City? I lived there. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Went, lived there for like four or five years. Did some school in there. Did some school in there. Met my wife there. Oh yeah, yep. beautiful so, lady. Thank you. Yep. So, um, I don't know. Is that the whole story? Was that the story? Done. Striper. No, but the you know the whole thing is you know the things that we've done in our lives that are just you know we had a great time and you know bad decision. Gotcha. And I think, you know, even now, I mean, I probably don't hear as well as I probably could based off the of stuff that I did when I was a kid. You know, hell, I was probably an adult. I can, rem- I can remember within the last 10 years of somebody goes, check this pistol out. And without, you know, really thinking about it, turn around and, you know, pop off a couple rounds. And the next yeah, thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the car on the way home and I'm like, you know, it's like I've got this, you know, it's kind of like the TV goes offline in the middle of the night, you know, yeah. just this constant tone. And I'm like, which that hasn't happened probably man, 15 what, years. What's that? TV going off like that. That doesn't happen anymore. No, I don't beat that anymore. Can't <laughs> <laughs> have to shut off at like 845. Yeah. Kidding me? But there's always something. I mean, Ron Popeil is always on with the new edition. Oh. Well, Something. yeah, in the middle of the night. Yeah, so. Gotta love some infomercials. Yeah. Um, I gotta get me one of them goddamn pillows. Which pillow? See, I'm not an infomercial guy anymore. I, no, I miss the out on The guy in Minnesota since... that's making the pillows that are like, they're like $300 pillows. Is that the guy that, like, <laughs> he's, he's got a checkered past? They started finding out, is that my pillow? Yeah. Is that the one you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you gotta look into that guy's past. He's got, he's got some skeletons in his closet that has the. As the fame have got on, there's something about, uh, a legend, a legend things that are going on with that guy, the my pillow guy. I did not know that. Yeah, check it out. He wears a cross in all of his commercials, so of course he does. So he's probably not legit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Huh. Catholic priests wearing cross too. <laughs> yeah, some, some shenanigans, right? There's some shenanigans that went yeah, on. Yeah. Since you wear a cross, I've seen a couple of running backs wear crosses and then get. Get some trouble for some domestic abuse. A little wife beating. Yeah, there's some some sketchy people out there. Yeah, but um, all right. So when we talk here in protection, I got a 
baselines, short-term, long-term shifts. So, you know, like anytime we go into an environment, before, before we even know that we got a chance for hearing loss, you should always record a baseline. And, you know, an audiologist can really record that. And it kind of gets, you know, where are we here today? Because it's it's just like anything. It's a it's a measurable value. So over time, it's going to change. And the thing is, is usually you're hearing how to say. I don't think I've ever read anywhere where somebody's hearing got better. It usually degrades or gets worse. So in an occupational situation, or even you know, it doesn't even have to be occupational. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of places will do that baseline study to where you, you can get, a, 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 a again, a baseline of how you hear today that then gives you the ability to be tested later and see, have you had hearing loss? Um, and the when I say a short-term and a long-term hearing loss is a lot of times uh, we'll have a short-term hearing loss, and that short-term hearing loss is just like when we go out there and we we pop nine millimeter Lugers or eight millimeter Mausers or thirty out six or twelve gauges or forty five long Colt whatever pistol gun rifle we're shooting or whether we're jamming out to some ACDC or some Metallica you know maybe some Slipknot whatever that is is we'll have a little bit of a short term hearing loss which is kind of that ringing, but you know, it's a short-term hearing loss that comes back. It doesn't affect that long-term baseline. But if we were to do that on a daily basis and submit our, our, our ears to those, that sound pressure and how that sound pressure affects all the little guts of our ears, meaning the cilia, the little hairs and, and, and the, uh, the features of the ear that really give us the ability to, to hear sound over time um, as we damage those obviously day in and day out meaning we're obviously talking about occupational safety and health so yeah. it may be that hammer drill that we listen to every day it may be a press that slams down it can be it can be any number of things that uh, that we're subjected to and again, it's time and time and time and time without really protecting our hearing. We're going to eventually have that shift where the baseline of how we hear and the quality of sound that we hear today in five years, it, there's going to be some level of degradation to that. So it's going to degrade over time to where we have that shift in our long-term hearing. That's so a, it's not just a short-term effect. Yeah, I feel like I saw... I don't know if it was a video or it was a display or something that somebody had, but it actually showed inside the ear the little hairs that as as you hear something, sound comes out. It's like the little hairs, the little hairs, and they're like flattened out. It's like noise is coming in, they're flattening out, and then they bounce back, and then they flatten out, and then they bounce back. But like over time, but eventually they don't, they don't, they don't bounce, bounce back. They don't bounce back, especially with yeah. like the certain volumes, right? Correct. It's harder and harder and harder for them to yeah those back. those sound level pre- the sound pressure that kind of kind of microwaves and cooks them out to where you know uh, they don't respond yeah so that's no good um, so you wear earplugs at work 
most likely you're not wearing them correctly. I think probably need to spend some time talking about how to properly insert like an earplug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People aren't doing that. They're not doing it right. Well, um, day in day out, uh, you, you kind of walk in there, and you, if, if it looks like somebody like just kind of set it up in the air canal, <laughs> that's not really what it's meant. To do, yeah, you look at somebody looking like mo- Frankenstein mo- with earplugs sticking out of their ears. Yeah, uh, they almost look like they're just trying to balance them there mm-hmm. instead of really being inserted. So when you look at proper, uh, properly wearing hearing protection, I would say probably seventy-five percent of the market is a disposable or a roll-down product. So. It's made of an expandable material that we make smaller and it gets larger. So the first thing that we do is we roll it down. Then we try to put it into our ear, insert it into the ear canal, and then it expands. But the first thing that people don't do is they don't roll it all the way down. So, again, you have to kind of, like you're rolling a cigarette or whatever, you kind of roll it down. Yeah. You get it smaller. And then you insert it into the ear canal. You don't just set it at the base of the ear canal. It's almost kind of like uh, Q-tip deep kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're not trying to poke yourself in the eardrum, <laughs> but you're trying to get down there and kind of do a, like a little bit of a swab with it. That's what my favorite thing is when I've seen, speaking of infomercials, the wax vac. Seen, wax. I think it's called a wax vac. It's like a uh, vacuum to suck earwax yeah. out of your ear. Have you it's seen got that like one? a it's got like a kid on it that freaks out at the end or something. The, like the one I remember, it's like a, a middle aged guy. He's got kind of that aggressive look. Like <laughs> I, I'm curious to know what goes on. He definitely swings at his wife every once in a while. He's got one of those things. But he's sitting there working the Q tip in his ear. And I get away from the microphone here. He's like sitting there and he goes, bah! <laughs> yeah, he pokes himself right in the brain. Which yeah. we've all done that. I, I know I'm guilty. I like to get in there real good with a Q-tip, and I've touched brain maybe, a couple n- times. Maybe not Q-tip good. Is maybe that's too far. <laughs> but you got to get you got to get in there. You get, I mean, yeah. a little bit more than just the tip. You got to kind of got to kind of get in there. Yeah, you a don't want to play just the tip. No, you got to get in there a little deeper, a little deeper. Is there something? There's something too to grabbing your. You're supposed to reach behind your head. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, I mean, as you reach over the top of your head and you kind of pull your ear, it, you kind of pull it open. And if you kind of insert Q-tip deep, yeah, just the tip, then you kind of get that uh, earplug situated in that ear canal because again. You you're you're really trying to block that hole or that opening to where you you're putting something that uh, resists sound and that pressure from entering the air canal. Fair enough. All right. How about we talk about uh, calculating noise reduction ratings or NRR? Oh boy, that one's that one makes me uh, drives me crazy. Like, cray 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 cray. Right. And the reason it drives me crazy. <laughs> is because people look at it and they go, oh, a box is uh, 30. Right. Put it in my ear, I get 30. That is uh, probably the largest misconception piece of shit information in safety that people can get. And the reason is, is that's in some kind of lab situation. And so when we look, first of all, as people, as we just talked about, don't insert hearing protection right anyway. 
So the fact that they don't even have it right from the beginning will yield the fact that uh, they're not going to get the protection factor that they need anyway. Basically, they didn't even insert it correctly the first time, so you're not even getting the protection factor because it's not uh, inserted like it would be in a lab. Um, the second part of it is that uh, the materials that they, the hearing protection is made of may not expand to uh, everybody's ear canal, whether it's whether people have narrow or larger ear canals, they're not all consistent. So you're, again, it's not laboratory the same size. So you're putting an earplug that may fit somebody, may fit a child better that, or somebody that has a larger ear canal, it may fit them better. Um, followed by uh, the fact that uh, we've talked about how they're inserted, we've talked about size of the ear canal, but basically that box is going after a uh, lack of a better way of putting putting it kind of a, a lab situation, a perfect case scenario of if I took that plug and put it in there perfectly, what the noise reduction rating would be. The rule of thumb that you should really take when you're looking at that is that let's say we'll just use big round numbers is the NRR on the box says 30. Yeah. A better way to get to what noise level you can be in is we can be up to 85 decibels is kind of the trigger level under ocean. Once we're above that 85, well, 84.9, once we get to 85, that's our trigger level. We need to really pay attention and we need to have a, a hearing conservation program. We need to institute plugs in there or, you know, a hearing concert. We need to have a hearing conservation program that would require, you know, hearing protection. We basically, so the rule of thumb is to take that NRR value and say it is 30. So we are going to subtract seven from that value. Then whatever value we get from there, then we're going to divide it by two. Okay. So if we are in 85 decibels and we are exposed to, let's say we've done a noise survey or we've, we've put uh, an industrial hygienist in there that's that's gone out there and figured out that there's an exposure of 100 decibels. Right. So we would need to really have in excess of 15 decibels of coverage to, to, to satisfy that. And we sit there with a plug that says it has an NRR of 30, we would theoretically go, we're good. Yeah. We're not. Because if we were to actually fit test or test the NRR that people are getting, they're not, they're not getting that, that factor. Okay. They're not getting 30 decibels of coverage. If you take that 30, you subtract 7, divide by 2, that's realistically the level of protection that you're getting. So if we took... Whatever the rating is, minus 7 divided by 2. Yep. That's kind of the... That's a, that's a swag, okay. scientific wild ass guess. Gotcha. I mean, it's not what's on the box. <clears throat> Every right. manufacturer would love for you to. I mean, think about it. If if it was what on the what was on the box. So if you're an 85 and you added 30 to it, right? 95, 105, 115. You ought to be able to sit there and watch jet planes zip over your head. Yeah. 
with those in there, you know, based on the decibel ratings that they their sound pressure. But that's levels. a perfect, yeah, a that, perfect scenario. That ain't real. Exist. Okay, ain't real. What is your opinion on doubling up then? So, like wearing a muff on top of an earplug, or do you have an opinion on that? Plugging a muff. Plugging a muff. In situations where people get in very high high decibel uh, situations or where there's you know a lot of that noise going on is people sometimes believe that you got to stack them right the problem is there's not a lot of science in it it's kind of like you know if I'm cold and I have one blanket if I had a second blanket I'm gonna be a hundred percent better than I was the first time because yeah. I added another blanket. Or you're wearing a condom and you put on a second condom to yeah. protect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> like. <laughs> that pregnancy. Yeah. I'm doubling. I, yeah. So I was, you know, there you go. If I double bag it, I mean, you know, the first one, I think, you know, health class, I think they told me I was like, there's like 95% chance. So the next time I'm like 95 and 95. So That's I must be. 100. Must be 97.5. But you know, there's still a chance that you know that's going to happen. Oh. And it's it's classic, you know, misnomer of you know, you know, if I, I got that second one on there, it, that should really do it versus the first one. No, not the case. Yeah. So you can't sit there and go, well, shit, I I had thirty decibels plus thirty more decibels, so I sixty on top of that, I should literally be able to listen to you know the a plane break the, the sound barrier and listen to the crack and stand next to it yeah. and not be phased. No, no, that ain't how it works. Okay. So I, so really you'd say that that does not work in any scenario. There's no scenario where adding an earmuff or is that just a, no, a you, you will, you will, for that you level. will in a high decibel situation, you can increase, increase the, uh, the, the reduction in noise by adding the second device. Okay. The misnomer is that you can just add Double them. It. That you add can just add them head. up and go, okay, I know my exposure is this, and I get this from this, and I get this from this, so I'm fine. Okay. And in high noise exposures, there's actually tables at how much time that you're even supposed to be exposed to it. And I don't remember what those are off the top of my head, but I know that they exist. Okay. So if you got a drawer full of like economy earplugs and you think that's enough, what what do you what else do we need to know about kind of your, your hearing conservation program? Well in your hearing conservation program, I mean, you know, it's not a one size fits all. You know, it's kind of like you shouldn't have just one one type of safety glass because you have different uh, face types. So whether it's male versus female, whether it's uh, different ethnicities, uh, same goes with hearing protection is having a one size fits all is kind of a bullshit methodology to provide safety to your, uh, your industrial athlete. They're out there working hard for you, trying to get things done and to give everybody the same thing is that's, that's not fair and fair. Let's throw that out the door. It's not right because People need different things that fit different. Okay. And, you know, you need to have a couple options. And it's kind of loosely mentioned within the standards that you need more than one option. So is there a certain amount that you're required? Are you supposed to have two? Are you supposed to have three? Uh, you need to have more than one. How about that? Okay. 
So that's just options to pick from, most likely? Correct. Okay, so your, the green earplug might fit somebody different than the orange earplug, and the red earplug might fit someone a little bit Correct. differently I mean, than there's, the green or the orange. There's plugs out there that one end is larger than the other end, so you can flip it back and forth, you know, depending on the uh, ear canals. Okay. Fair enough. All right, well, it's time for uh, our favorite segment, the Dumbass of the Week. It's the dumbass of the week. All right, so fictional name. Let's call him uh, Little John. You want to know what did Little John do? <laughs> little John. Little teeth. What? Well, you know he's got those. Oh, those gold like, teeth. Like, you yeah, said little teeth. Little, I was like, what? Gold teeth. Little, little John. Little, little John's teeth. got the little teeth. All right. So he's got his he's got his little teeth, <laughs> and he goes, okay. But uh, Little John worked in a. Uh, works in a factory and little john wears leather gloves every day and so sometimes little john likes to get into those little sharp he needs to get his fingers in to really do the job so what little john does is he takes his glove off there might be a sharp application where he really should be wearing his glove but he thinks you know what i'm just going to take this glove off just this one little time so i can reach in grab my little uh, bolt or screw that i need to grab and get on with my day so maybe little john's not wearing the correct glove for the application that he's currently doing but you know little john yeah he's he's supposed to get the job he's supposed to get the work done at all costs so he takes off his leather glove and he reaches in and all of a sudden a blade comes and slices little john's hand he's not wearing a glove there's blood squirting everywhere Uh. little john's blinded (laughs) luckily he's wearing his glasses that uh his sunglasses inside. Oh, he yeah. Goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> but his, his, uh, his hands all cut up. His braids are in the way. You know how little John does. So little John's going to have to go to the hospital and get about 25 stitches on his hand. So maybe Maybe get like half a finger put on. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the medical, uh, if they come up with a medical miracle to save his, save his finger. But what? He got, he got his gold teeth. What did little? What should little John have done differently? Uh, quite a bit. There's there's a lot there. Lot lot lot. Number one is uh, anytime we look at anything from an occupational safety and health fact is could we have engineered out the hazard? Meaning, John had a job where he had to put his hand in way to where he could actually cut his finger off that's a problem so first of all we should have tried to look into it and figure out is there a way that we can engineer out this hazard second part of it is it is 2017 people if y'all notice my my cohort fred said he had a leather glove on love leather love leather driver's gloves they're good and they do a lot of different things but uh Again, it is 2017. I will reiterate that it's 2000. It's almost 2018. It's 2017. So there's a lot of technology. So there's a lot of fibers in there that are heat resistant, cut resistant, chemical resistant. Combinations of heat and chemical heat, and you know, we could sit there and r- rattle through the matrices to understand what uh, hazards we have hand protection for. But the truth of the matter is. It, 
today, if you have to take your glove off to do your job, you probably are wearing the wrong glove. So again, had little John had as much respect for his hand as he did for his gold teeth, he would have done his due diligence to make sure that he had on the right hand protection. Meaning, in this situation, he cut his hand or cut his fingers off and needed cut resistant. He needed tactile sensation because he had to get in there and he had to pull something small out. So had he gone and done his homework and found a cut resistant fiber that uh, was, he had that uh, a finger agility to pick out those little pieces. Yep. Uh, maybe he didn't cut his finger off. Maybe he just, maybe he just had a smash or a contusion maybe or a sm- minor laceration or something. So sometimes we're not completely, mm-hmm. we're mitigating. We're not, we're not solving everything that can happen. We're not, we're not making everything, you know, Superman bulletproof, the proof, Superman bulletproof, but we are trying to minimize any damage that happens because again if we're wearing personal protective equipment we've identified that there is a hazard that somebody can be hurt and we have put them in things where we say when the shit hits the fan hopefully this minimizes what happens to them not that it keeps it from happening we minimize the you know the damage or that risk so part of it is part of it's on little john because he took his glove off. He knew that there was a hazard there because he was wearing gloves in the first place. But part of it's got to be on Little John's company for probably not providing him with the correct protective yeah, they, equipment. They, they should have looked. They should have looked into why is he even sticking his hand in there? Because most likely, more often than not, there's engineered control, engineered controls that you know stop the machine so that it's not moving. Um, there's there's a number of ways that we could. Uh, Minimize the risk or that that potential uh, cause that caused him to obviously lose a finger, losing a you know losing a finger, losing anything. I like all ten of them. <laughs> yeah, they're all good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't play piano. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not an artist. A um, couple of them I only pick boogers with. I don't know, but yeah. at the end of the day, I'd like to have all of them. You got anybody uh, in mind that you know of that has a has an odd losing a finger story? You got a good losing a finger story? I have a teacher that was my one of my fourth grade teachers, and he lost his basketball. That he was he was playing basketball and he was wearing his wedding ring, and went up and caught his hand in the net and it took his finger. His wedding ring caught in the net, finger got completely tore right off. Any of those? You got any of those? Um. I do have one. Is I was uh, a person that I know, and we had he had been in an industrial accident, and he had kind of uh, lost half of a finger. Okay. And we were at a concert at a band that we had seen multiple times, and he was he looked at me and he goes, "This is the fifth time that we've seen him, but when he when he stuck up his hand." He goes, we've seen this band five times. And I looked at his hands, and I'm like... Like four fingers sticking Well, up. wait a second. We've only been there four and a half times. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how to take this. So, yeah. 
Um, don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. It's a little John, you dumbass. Anyway, so let's comb through uh, Dave's email box for this week. I'll ask some questions. Dave can answer them. Uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. Uh, Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. Reach out on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're at QuadCitySafety on all of them. All guys, 563-445-2170 is our fax number. Yep. Or if you want to st- 2171, I'm sorry. 70 is our, yep. So if you, uh, if you, also if you want to sing a, a barbershop quartet in to sing your question into the office, uh, we're located in Davenport, Iowa, so you can uh, you can Google us, find out where we're at, send the barbershop quartet, and uh, we'll answer your questions from there. But for this week, number one, if I think I am compliant with the OSHA general duty clause standard, what else should I be looking for? Did I fuck that up? Yeah. All right. If... If I question number one, if I think I'm compliant with the OSHA standards, yeah, correct. Okay, what else should I be looking for? Try it again. (laughs) You had it the second time. You were good. Sorry, people. (laughs) Question number one: If I think I am compliant with the OSHA standards, what else should I be looking for? Ah, well, quite a bit actually, because you know (laughs) the standards are not kind of a catch-all for you know everything that can happen. So there is this little uh, bugaboo that uh, runs around the jungle called the general duty clause. And, you know, doesn't matter whether you're doing safety for compliance or safety for the sake of safety. It basically says that, you know, you're kind of a, uh, a, a catch-all. You are responsible for offering people a, a workplace that is... Uh, free of known hazards. So if you look and you think something can happen and it happens to them and you didn't do something to protect them, whether it's covered by a standard or not, meaning there doesn't have to be, you know, I I don't know of a good uh, analogy to put out there, but if you know that something can happen, and you go, well, there's nothing really in OSHA that says that uh, if somebody, you know, somebody chokes to death on sand, then I don't have to worry about it. And they choke to death on sand. They're going to come in there and they're going to go, well, there's a there's this general duty clause that states that you knew that there was a chance that they would choke on sand and they choked on sand. So you're 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 guilty. Right. Of, you're guilty of this. So I think too often people try to sit there and uh, make their safety program centered around, you know, kind of like speed limit signs is I only have to do stuff if there's a speed limit sign or a, a, a pedestrian crossing or something. Other than that, I just go a million miles an hour. But if all of a sudden there's a baby in the middle of the road, if I run it over, it's fine. And that's not the case. You should go, well, this is a road, and people can cross the road, and at some point in time I might hit something, so maybe I should reduce my speed or, you know, put controls in there to keep babies out of the road. Right. It's, it's not just a thing where you're like, I get a free pass because it's not written, even yeah. though I knew that this could happen. Yeah, I mean, because uh, all too often people will say, well, what does the standard say? <clears throat> and it's kind of like, we're a little bit of past that. Yeah. Is it's not just what the standard says. You have an obligation, you know, 
I mean, we are not dealing in, you know, the 17 and 1800s, we fought war with the fact that we lined people up and got them close enough that with the guns that they had that they could hit each other yeah. and they stood there and sh- shot at each other. Wars have changed. Right. So has occupational safety and health standards. So, you know, what was written and the way that you used to do it is not really, we can't do it how we've historically done it is that, you know, this is this is line by line. These are the, the uh, rules of how we do this is we should really look at it from an approach of we're smarter than that. We know uh, by evaluating a situation or going into a workplace or entering a work site on a daily basis, we should know what the issues are and we should really, whether there's a standard or not, we should look to the standards to help us figure out how we might, uh, you know, handle the hazard right or but we shouldn't look at it as kind of a catch-all well hell since it didn't caught you didn't get caught in that filter we shouldn't have to worry about it because it didn't mention it even though i know that we can hurt somebody with it who gives a shit because it's not enumerated in 1910 dot yada yada 1926 dot yada yada yeah and that's that's the way a lot of people look at it okay question number two Is hearing protection required in an arc flash situation? Yes, it is. Okay. So when you look at an arc flash situation, basically we're taking, uh, I don't remember the exact uh, quantification of it, but you're taking copper is typically what it is, and you're turning it to a vapor in a nanosecond. So it is expanding at a rate of almost like 30,000, I believe. So there's, there's a, you know, kind of a sonic boom that comes out of it. So despite the fact that you may have arc flash clothing on, which is meant to uh, keep the heat from pretty much, you know, attacking the body, usually you know, you'll have arc protective clothing a face shield, which keeps, uh, how to say, it, it the uh, there is an infrared light that comes out of it. There's kind of a sonic boom, and there's pressure that all come out of it that can affect your your hearing. Because so there's there is that initial boom. So yes, hearing protection is required in an arc flash situation. But it's more for it's for the noise, isn't it? Correct. Isn't it? It's insanely loud. Yeah. In an arc flash. Just but but it's but it's not. Uh, again, it is a. A really quick pop, so it's not it's not something that haps, happens over time. It's like okay. it's almost like a gunshot. So how is that? How did, how is that? Uh, I guess is that are, are those earplugs or whatever arc flash uh, protection that you need for hearing? Is it what's different about it than normal? Is there anything that's different about it, or you can just wear a normal earplug? Um, it requ- if you if you dig into the standards, because my guess is it would it, be more than a hundred and ten decibel. Well, but the, like the standard really points to wearing hearing protection. Um, if you dig deeper into it, um, there are uh, plugs that how to say are less likely to ignite okay. than others. So a lot of your traditional hearing protection can kind of could theoretically catch on fire. Okay. I mean, melt I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever read of a, 
of that the incidents that it happened. Okay. But I know that uh, you would have that potential with certain hearing protection that it could ignite. Okay. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, anything else that you're wearing that's uh, arc flash clothing or flame-resistant clothing, I know. has the potential to ignite. Yeah, right. Burn. So that's why Stuff I was wondering. I don't want a burning earplug inside your ear melting. I, I feel like that's not the way I want to go out. I can think of uh, at least uh, about seven other ways. <laughs> All right, question number three. I guess this is in regard to FR2, but my vest that I have says treated FR on it. What does that actually mean? Why is it treated FR? Uh, okay, so you have, uh, when you look at FR garments, there's different ways that you can have it. Some are, are inherent, meaning that the fabric itself is has uh, an inherent ability to not, uh, or has inherent ability to be retarded to flame. So some of it can be, you know... Uh, Natural fibers like wool and cotton have some level of, of flame resistance to it. Um, but you can take a man-made materials and spray it with uh, stuff like Banox is one of the uh, treatments, which is it's a treatment that uh, basically gives things the ability to, uh, if, you, if you light them, they may self-extinguish or how to say they're they're less apt to to burn you know it's not like i mean back in what was it it was like in the 1980s the underoos craze that uh went across the world you're looking at me like i'm crazy you don't remember underoos born in 82 uh, uh, man, man, they man. they were made and they had this uh how to say they were they were literally like Underwear that uh, you were you were like Superman or whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. and people would get close to flames and they would ignite and they would shrink wrap to these kids. Oh, so it was it was literally like you know this epidemic of stuff where you know you you had a lawsuit against people because all of a sudden you know bad example. I do notice though on a lot of like my kids' pajamas and whatnot, some of them will say not flame resistant. Yeah, yeah. So they're like they the caveat if it goes down. These pajamas they're, are not they're, protected. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to shrink out to them. They're, t- they're carrying them with them for a little while until we scrub them out of their skin. Yeah. But, no, just uh, when you look at an FR garment, you're going to want something that is has an inherent level of resistance, which means that it's either the fiber or it's something that doesn't wash out. So when you look at treated treated as something that has had a chemical process or a process done to it that over time it will lose the ability to uh, be flame retardant. Well, I, th- I think there's some debate that's kind of out there in that, in that field that treated versus inherent FR, that there are treated garments out there that, are, that, are, that will remain FR for the life of the garment. So I think the technology is kind of catching up yeah, there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but they're going to be considered inherent. So when you say treated, like uh, I'm trying to think, uh, like Endura Ultra Soft is a natural fiber that is impregnated with maybe like a, an ammonia molecule. Don't quote yeah, me on that. Gotcha. So it's something that's not really treated. So when I say treated, it's something that's sprayed on it's not impregnated into the you know it's not 
at a molecular level. Okay. It's almost just kind of like a dusted on thing after the fact. Yeah, I just think there are treated fabrics out there that are treated with something that will remain with the garment for the life of the garment. Let's move on here. Uh, this is an episode about hearing protection, so how about famous ears? You got any famous ears that come to mind? Uh, elf ears. Elf ears? Yeah. It's, uh, we're getting... Nice and pointy. Yeah. Pokey, nice elf ears. <coughs> how about uh, Spock? Spock's got the, about the most famous ears yeah. in the game. I never really got into Star Trek. You want to start? I was definitely. I'm not a Star Trek guy. I'm not a Star Wars guy. If it started with Star, I'm, I'm yeah, not in. I didn't. I didn't play it. You were in that space. No. Could well. I mean, I think I had like a land speeder and some sh- stuff like that because you know. A what? A land speeder. A what? A land speeder. What's a land speed? Uh, land speeder or land speeder? Land speeder. Speeder. All right. What's yeah, that? It was like the. Uh, Is that from Star Wars or yeah, Star was, Trek? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Luke kind of floated around in it. It was like one of his little spaceships that he would kind of, you know, he'd go, you know, just kind of floated right over ground. Fair enough. Like when he cut the tauntaun with his lightsaber and got into it to weather the night. There's all kinds of bullshit. That <laughs> I don't know. Not, I'm not a Star Wars guy. Yeah, I don't know anything Damn, about I mean. you. You could tell me anything. I'd be like, all right, cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbo. Yeah. Dumbo the elephant. Uh, yeah. You got them big ears. Uh, my ears aren't that big. I didn't call you Dumbo. Oh, I thought you called me Dumbo. No, I'm just talking about the literal elephant in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Big ears, maybe famous ears. Kind of, maybe I'm a little self-conscious about my How ears. about your boy, uh, Ross Perot? Dude, voted for the man. I know you did, as yeah. you told me. That was before our, what is it, 92? Was yep. it Ross Perot 92? Yep. You were voting in 92? Yeah. Old mother ever. <laughs> I, was, I was 10, so... I was so happy to vote for him because he, he made sense. He was Dana Carvey did the Ross Perot, right? Yeah, but that's bullshit. What do you mean? It's, he did it. It's not bullshit. Yeah, he did no, it. But no. Making fun of You can't handle somebody making fun of Ross Perot. There's a lot to make fun of. He had some big ears, too. Yeah, he did. So famous ears. Van Gogh. Cut it off. Yeah. So that's pretty famous. I think, he, I think he has a picture of him, right? Yeah. yeah. Van Gogh, yep. Yeah. Mickey Mouse probably got the most famous ears in the game. Well, he's made more money off of his ears than anybody else. How his about his that? ears, replicas of his ears have been sold more than anyone else's ears. <laughs> I, I'd be willing to bet that. Uh, I'll bet you're right. Yep. And then finally, I put down Batman. Batman's got the little ear, the bat ears on his hood, so it's not technically his ears, but you, uh, you call okay. him foul on that one? Yeah, I think that one's... Yeah. All right. Well, I'm throwing a flag on that one. Yeah. Well, my son has got super into superheroes lately, and he's only 18 months old. So that's a little really. Early, that's a little early. That's in the way game. early. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a. We bought him a Spider-Man toy. I'm sure he's picking it up from another kid at daycare or something. But so I got him a Spider-Man toy, and it's a it's a death grip <laughs> that he's got on that thing. Um, so it goes to daycare is with him. Chew on it, or is no, it just? It's like an action figure for four and up too. So he could probably bite the head off, choke on it, <laughs> yeah. die, and then I'll be. We'll have a very uh, yeah, but you somber. Can't it, you can't get it out of his hand. So no, I can't get it out of his hand. But the funny thing was, my my wife has her uh, I don't know fancy water bottle. I'll show you a video of it later. If there's interest, somebody requests it. I'll post it to the Quad City Safety page or something like that. Because he's got her water bottle with a straw on it, and he's holding Spider-Man up to the straw, and he's making the drinking noises like Spider-Man's drinking out of the water bottle. And so his sister goes, "Can can I have a drink?" And he just screams, "No!" 
And so she keeps asking him for it every time he says no. And so mom says, Layla, I think you need to wait until Spider-Man's done. And so I said, Hudson, is Spider-Man all done? And he goes, all done. And hands it over to her. So little Spider-Man action figure he handles. And he also walks with them. So he'll put him on his own leg and just start going, walk, 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 walk. And Spider-Man will be walking along. So that's, I think I got a savant on my hands. That's, uh, wow. Either that or just like he's going to be really, a real psychopath. Really, yeah, about, about I have, I have uh, you know, the comic book collectors, or mm-hmm. I have, I have the first, I got first, I got the first, first edition. Don't get your fingerprints on it. It's got the case protector on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyways, so as much as we love hanging out with you guys, we got to go get some dinner, grab a cocktail, and then get our feet up for the night. So, really appreciate you guys listening to. Uh, episode seven shit to bed and giving us a chance to uh tell our stories make a little bit of a difference when it comes to raising awareness um over these kinds of uh preventable injuries in regards to hearing or uh it really means a lot to us so we'll be back at it again next week with more safety stories so in the meantime spread some awareness yourself you can leave us some comments uh, ask some questions. Once again, I'm Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. Live you, long and prosper. You can jump into our social media conversations on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, at QuadCitySafety. You can probably search either Dave or I. Um, get involved. Don't wait until you lose somebody you love to become an advocate for safety. Once again, safety has no quitting time. We will see you the next time. Thanks. Later. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.